0: Welcome back to Bitcoin Builders. Today, I am thrilled to do the first in what I hope will be a regular feature, and that is I have invited a guest co-host for the day. Some of you guys may know George Kaloudis for his work on Markets Daily and his various hosting with Coindesk. Many of you who are paying attention may know that he holds down the Bitcoin space for that company. And when I invited George to come on the show as a co-host and recommend someone to join as a guest... His first idea was Nifty Knee, aka Lisa Negat. Nifty is a Bitcoin developer, and as you will hear a lot on this show, an incredible Bitcoin educator. She's the founder of Base58, the Bitcoin Protocol Academy, and is doing some extremely cool things helping people learn about Bitcoin. Bitcoin Builders is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator entirely dedicated to Bitcoin and Lightning. Find out more at wolfnyc.com. It's Tuesday, August 8th. This is Bitcoin Builders. Let's go. All right, friends, welcome to Bitcoin Builders. How are you doing, guys? Doing great.
1: Doing great. Thanks.
0: Yeah. I'm super excited. This is something that when I first started doing this show, I had in mind was the type of thing that I wanted to do, which is have friends and kind of step into a guest host role. And George, you get to kick that off. So I think as we get started, quickly introduce yourself. And then Nifty here was your, your first thought for who you'd like to have join you for this. So maybe you can also introduce our other illustrious guest.
2: Yeah, that, that might surprise Nifty, honestly. But uh, we're good friends, I think, in like the Bitcoin uh, sense of the word and outside Bitcoin. But uh, I'm George Kalutis. I work at Coindesk. I used to work in banking back in the bad TradFi world. I worked in investment banking for five years. I was a math guy. I studied math at Davidson College, and then I discovered Bitcoin from my dad. My dad thought it was an awesome thing. I'm Greek, so Andreas Antonopoulos. Whenever you see another Greek person in something you're interested in, it's like mandatory as a Greek person to just dive right in. And thank God, Andreas is like one of the best advocates for like being reasonable. As we know in Bitcoin, there are a lot of unreasonable people. He's reasonable. He basically orange pilled me and. Then I joined Coindesk in 2021, which is crazy. It's like two years ago. Wrote some research, write some columns. Now I have a podcast, kind of. It's fun times over there. But anyway, that's sort of me. And no one really wants to hear me talk because we have Nifty Nye with us. Hey, Nifty.
1: Hey, how's it going?
2: So Nifty is a neato Bitcoin dev. She's really actually a Lightning Network dev. She used to work at Square, if I remember correctly. You were doing back-end work for their Bitcoin engineering team. But then you went over to Blockstream and worked on C-Lightning or Cord Lightning, which is an implementation of light- the Lightning Network. But the coolest thing that I think she works on is this thing called Base58, which is an educational company which puts on the BTC++ conference. does a lot of cool workshops, things like that. Nifty is also like a vampire. She's lived three or four lives. I swear like you can go with stories with her forever. She knows a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. We can venture to call her like a renaissance woman, but without the banksters backing her, which I think is a pretty cool way to think about her. Anyway, Nifty, welcome to Bitcoin Builders.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This is really great. I'm very honored to be um, one of your first, I guess, first, maybe not first, um, guess. Great. Okay.
0: You are officially the first of this sort of the the guest hosted format and the show's only been around for a couple of months so among the first cohort in general as well.
1: Cool. Super exciting.
2: Yeah, I think you had Evan Kludis on, who's like not related to me at all, but you know, somewhere down the line we probably are. I <laughs> like
1: <I'll, laughs> it's, I'll s- re- it's a strong last go name. Go back to Aristotle or something. I don't That's know. right.
2: That's right.
0: Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's start. Uh, George, you kind of honed in on base 58 as you know, if not the most interesting thing, one of the most interesting things. So, Nifty, maybe let's talk about Base fifty eight. What it is, where it came from, and take it from there.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Base fifty eight. So, this is a project I started about a year and a half ago, and it actually started kind of just from like a group of people I was hanging out with devs and um, more technical Bitcoiners in Houston. I was at the time working on, still sort of today, working on a technical text tech, textbook about Bitcoin, like technicals, basically, it's everything that like, as a developer getting into Bitcoin that I it's like the resource I would have wanted when I got into doing technical Bitcoin stuff. So it didn't exist. I started writing it. And then that was going slow. So I started teaching my friends. So every like, every Tuesday, we'd get together and like, I would go through another section of my book that I like the draft that I had of the book. And eventually I was like, you know, I bet there's more people out there that like, me getting a book done is like taking forever. Let's like not wait until the book is done. I can just start doing classes online. And so we launched last year with a six-week online class. It was like twice a week at the nights. It was a lot of like me. I think it's like the early classes were super fun. And I mean, I think they're still pretty fun, but like it's a lot of me in a terminal. So I would literally like pull up a text document and a terminal on my laptop and then walk through like, bite, by bite, how Bitcoin transactions work. And it's, like, a lot of me just, like, putting bytes together in a text document and trying to see if it will work using, like, Bitcoin Core. So it was a lot of fun because, like, sometimes things would break. And, like, I would, like, it's kind of like watching someone live code for, like, an hour and a half, like, entertainment. And there'd be, like, homework once a week kind of thing where you, like, try and repeat the same thing at home kind of thing. Yeah. So it sort of just kind of started as, like, you know, homegrown, backyard, Houston, hangouts. And then, evolves this online like come watch nifty like try and make bitcoin transactions work by hand like can she do it tm um some of the like you know there were a lot of like we would make it work every class i think for the most part there might have been only one class where i had to like come back the next time and be like okay here's the working way like here's how it actually works i think it made it like really exciting right because it's like it's like live it's like yeah it's like kind of like watching like a professional athlete like trying like do like 10 free throws in a row kind of thing i think one thing about the way that base 58 works is like people say it's like inspirational right because you can like and make it seem like it's like you can like take bytes and put them together and build bitcoin transactions so it's like really like a really kind of low level but hopefully we're trying to make it like seem more accessible than it is currently i guess
0: like when it comes to the motivation. It sounds like a piece of it was just, this is something you enjoyed doing. There were other folks who you felt like would enjoy that experience as well. Connect those dots. But as you've dug into it, I mean, how much do you have a sense of there being like a gap in or a barrier to entry for, for Bitcoin development that you're trying to fill there as well?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's one of those things where if you're trying to get into Bitcoin there's like a lot, there's like a lot of stuff. There's more stuff these days than there were like two years ago when I started doing it. But I still think that like, there's not a lot of like really good information or like, just like really like well written or like well organized, like coursework, if that makes sense. That like, okay, I just want to know how Bitcoin transaction works, right? Like, what are the parts of it? Like, how do the scripts work? Like, just walk me through like the basics. Like that, outside of Base58, I keep like looking at other stuff. like that like hands-on practical like nuts and bolts like what's actually going on like i think we're the only i think we're still the only content that does that there's a lot of like other great learning resources that i think start at different places so chain code has like a free seminar that they do like a fellowship for like lightning stuff and for um like a bitcoin main chain but they talk about like 51 percent attacks and like how does like the block work kind of more at the theoretical level or like, what would you get at like a seminar class? And so it's a lot of reading and stuff. The S58 aims to be kind of like the, um. Like, I just want to know how it works, right? Like what are these pieces? Like, you know, like what's in the toolbox of like a Bitcoin wow. transaction. So yeah, I think we are kind of like, I don't feel like maybe I'm not like totally answering your question here, but I do feel like, you know, we're like definitely like filling, I think what is a pretty big gap and like sort of a, like, the existing resources out there I think seem too technical and too difficult like if you you could go read the bips or you could go read the bitcoin Core source code and figure out what's going on but that's like that takes like you know that takes I think like a very experienced developer and the goal of base 58 stuff is to take maybe like an intermediate level that for someone who's been working as a dev for a few years or even like I met someone a few weeks ago at the lightning summit in um Actually, he was in my lightning class. We did our first ever lightning class like three weeks ago now in Nashville. It was great. And it just so happened that one of the guys in there got his start doing developer stuff by taking the Base58 online class. I don't actually teach programming in the Bitcoin Dev Basics. We kind of assume you know how to program or you can learn it elsewhere. He didn't know how to program. He took the class. He got through it. He had to like show up to T-Hours and get some help. But like he made it through it later he went and took like one of those like boot camps that like they teach you how to do like web dev stuff. So now he does like web devy things for mutiny wallet, I think is my understanding, but like it basically got him to the point where he was like able to start contributing to like the mutiny wallet stuff. And he's probably the biggest contributor to this. Like uh, I forget the name. There's like this game that's like Satoshi's adventures or something like that. He gave a presentation on it at the lightning summit. That was like, he was like invited as a speaker to the lightning summit. Cause he had been contributing to this, like, game to teach people how Bitcoin works. Um, Anyways, I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, like, yeah, I think it's like, I think we're like sincerely filling a a, a niche in the market that I'm really excited to get to tell people about how Bitcoin works.
2: Yeah. Nifty, it sounds like this is something that needs to exist and something that people in the industry at least recognize as something that needs to exist. So this is probably like, I don't know, way too tactical, but Why are you guys the only ones who exist who are doing like this hands on, like LARP, like doing the Bitcoin transactions, like how to actually code versus, you know, the big theoretical sort of comp side classes you would take in college versus the boot camp you would take after college?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, part of me, like, I think it's actually just like this might be a little, I think the people that understand it well enough to write the curriculum to do it are really busy. They're all working. They're working on building Bitcoin. They're working on the thing that they think is the most exciting and the way that they think they can contribute the best to the ecosystem, which is by like writing code and building out new parts of the protocol. I think the like the cohort of Bitcoiners that are technical that really actually like one understand this stuff well enough Period is pretty small, so that's a small group. And then when you look in that group, you're like, okay, out of these people, who's the best at actually like creating curriculum around it, like explaining it, right? Like, I think one thing that um, I've been able to contribute, like my like maybe unique twist on it, is like the order that I present information to you is very unique. Like, there's no one else has figured out how to break it up into the parts that we do and do it in the order. Like when you go through the class, the idea is that it's like. You're going to climb a really steep mountain, but I've made like the on-ramp as like least inclined as possible, if that makes sense. And I think that that takes like a certain, you know, it's like the overlap of like three different skill sets, right? Like who knows the Bitcoin technicals, who's good at actually like explaining information and then who's got like the time and like energy to actually like put that into an organization and like do that instead of contributing to the protocols, et cetera. I don't think you end up with a very big group.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really think of many people that would be fit to be able to do that. I do have a question about the types of people you are targeting. It sounds like you target people who already understand Bitcoin, who are pretty technical.
1: Yeah, i actually like we've had like so people coming through the class. I've had people that like I've had people that don't know how to code yet. Okay, we've had like a couple VCs kind of sit through class. Um, one of the, the like non-technical founder of Anchor Watch, Becca, came through one of the classes. I don't think she did any of the homework, but she said that like, you know, just sitting in the classes, it's enough to see like what's happening. That now when she's working on like a basically a mini script, like a more technical Bitcoin technical project. She has like a she like knows what people are talking about. Like she like has that like understanding of like where the stuff is and like what people yeah. So it makes it like I think that the people like uh what am i trying to say i think i like to think that like anyone can come through the class um it's just how hard is it how much are you going to get out of it and how much time are you gonna have to spend with the material yeah if you already know a lot about programming or like it's not even programming that we do it's like a lot of like hashes and byte manipulation and like how is data stored and transmitted on computers like if you already have like that basics of understanding you have less things you have to learn. You only have to need learn the new stuff, which is the Bitcoin stuff. Whereas if you're coming to it with like out any of that knowledge, like you've got like you've got just like a bigger workload, I think.
2: Yeah, I-, I wanted to ask that as sort of a leading question too. Do you have college juniors and college seniors who are studying computer science interested in doing base 58 stuff? Because I feel like that would be really cool. That'd be awesome because we have this sort of lack of talent, young talent coming up in Bitcoin development specifically. Everyone who's young in Bitcoin seems to be like some sort of influencer. That's not really what we're talking about here. But are you finding interest from college juniors, college seniors, people who know like the computer science?
1: So I think like based D DA, like I feel like in terms of like advertising funnel pipeline, I have like done zero work on that. hoping that like really kind of been focusing in the short term on trying to get a lot more of our content available as like online classes. So they're just like, you can just like go through it, self-paced study stuff. I think at some point, yeah, I would love to figure out how to get like way more like, you know, young twenties or even just like early career people coming through. I think in terms of, you know, people have to hear about you. People have to understand like the value proposition, right? Like there's a whole communication and like marketing growth aspect of like growing a business or like offering something for sale that I think as an organization we just like haven't quite figured out yet.
2: The follow up question I wanted to ask is something that feels like it's two or three steps too far ahead. But I'm just going to already offer my first roadblock to targeting juniors and and seniors. And we're talking about talented people wanting to work on Bitcoin. We want talented people to work on Bitcoin. We don't want half-rate programmers. If, you know, I don't know, say MIT, the best programmers from MIT, they're going to want to go work at Google and make $250,000 a year. They're not going to want want to go work on Bitcoin Core and get yelled at by people on Twitter.
1: I think that's like, okay, but like, So there's two things I want to raise there. Like one, why are MIT engineers so good? And two, I don't think everyone who goes to MIT is actually like that. I actually think there's like maybe, like, let's say like an 80-20 rule, like 80% of them maybe want to like, are doing it because it's like a good, secure career maybe. But I definitely think that there's like, there is and there has been. And like, I think there always will continue to be a set of very smart, talented engineers and people like across the world that like really care about open source software they really care about like the technical challenges and like the actual work that they're doing above and beyond like what it happens to be like personally benefiting them in a bank account sense. So like, like I think there's always going to be like engineers, like of an amazing caliber. And I would say, I would say that even though I think the ones of the best caliber tend to be the ones not really wanting to go to Google anymore, you know, the ones who want safe careers end up at the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. But like, those guys aren't really like doing, they might end up there because they're doing interesting work, but I don't think it's just because of the salary. And so as long as I think in Bitcoin, we can continue to prove that one, there's a really cool, good ecosystem of interesting, smart people working on interesting, hard problems. I don't think we'll have difficulty continuing to recruit talented people. I think we have had like a really hard problem in terms of like the last few years. And this is actually like one of the reasons they started Bitcoin Plus Plus, which is like a Technical Dev Conference is because I think like the narrative around Bitcoin for like probably since like 2019 to like up to like I think like middle of last year or so was really like, oh, Bitcoin's done, Bitcoin's boring all the smart devs are leaving Bitcoin. Like I I think people kind of forget about this, but there was like a time around like the middle of the pandemic or so where it was just like, nah, man, like no, all the fuddy duddies are like doing Bitcoin stuff. Like if you're smart and you're a hotshot and you want to do cool stuff, you're going to go work on like Solana. Yeah. You're going to do Solana. Like, like all the hotshot devs are like, Bitcoin's like old school and whatever. And I was like, that's not true. Like that's like, there's cool, interesting work happening on Bitcoin. It's just not ending up in like whatever the discourse is. So like, I was like, okay, I'm going to get all of the cool people I know that are doing stuff to a conference and we're going to record it and we're going to just all like hang out and we're going to start building like a community of cool fun, like Bitcoin hackers doing like hackathons and like building community of cool people doing cool things because they exist. It's just like, I think like the, the mainstream narrative like had just kind of like, we've fallen out of that. Yeah.
0: So the interesting thing, one of the ways that I would characterize things evolving right now is you have a number of different pieces that are converging to create a broadening or an expansion of the people who are working in the Bitcoin space. One of them is a narrative shift, like you said, you know, like you, you kind of, once, once it is disproven that everyone's going away, that narrative, it, it, change, it has to change fast, right? It's the same way that Bitcoin from a kind of a broader like asset class perspective, every time that someone calls it dead and it doesn't die, it gets stronger, right? Because it's, it's sort of, you bounce off the bottom. So that's one piece. A second piece is more, you know, frankly, a growing funding ecosystem for startups, right? So to the extent that I think that you identified it absolutely correctly, that people who are going to Google are optimizing for safety and security, right? Like they're taking the high floor but limited ceiling of that salary as opposed to the non-existent floor but unlimited ceiling of kind of startup fame and glory. There's a shitload of people, especially who are young, who just have the ability to prioritize different things. Up until the last couple of years, you hadn't had a robust Bitcoin sort of specific funding ecosystem. And it's still very nascent, obviously, but it exists in a way that things didn't before. So you got, you have have on the one hand, you know, just sort of a narrative divergence from what it might have seemed. Second, you have, you know, more kind of funding opportunities for people, even if they're not looking to start a startup it becomes a plausible thing to consider. And then it kind of feels like the type of thing that you're building with Base 58 and with this conference is the sort of essential middle piece of effectively like onboarding infrastructure, even if that's not what it's pitched as, it becomes a door that people can walk through based on their own interest, but just to just kind of pull them in, you know, where, where they end up going after that is going to be really kind of multivariant. But But I I think that's an an interesting sort of piece of the broader community infrastructure that's developing right now.
1: Definitely, yeah. And I want to I want to like you know give a shout out to the other organizations that I think are doing this. Um, Like you know, Call Africa is really trying to do it with African devs. The Chinko Labs has been around for like over half a decade at this point, running fellowships and doing open seminars. I think they're doing an incredible job of getting really new talent into this space um, at a high level. I think there definitely are like like there's a huge effort, but yeah, that was like that was a huge like underlying motivation for me, I think, is like, you know, I I talk I'm a programmer, so I talk about like what's like the interface and the interface getting into Bitcoin. Like I just felt like it wasn't like well defined. It wasn't like, okay, I wanna learn XYZ about Bitcoin stuff. Where do I go? Who's doing that? Like how do I get involved? Where do I go to meet people that are like working on cool projects? And it's like, okay, we're gonna start a conference series and we're gonna start putting like what I think is like best in class. Like practical technical nuts and bolts information about how these protocols work. Right. Yeah. So it's like defining the interface, like where is the starting point? Um, so right now, like as an organization, I think we've started having like talks kind of more with like, how can we get more funding? Are we going to make this like a nonprofit? Like how do we like take what we're doing at base 58? How do we scale it? What direction do we go? And one of the things when you start talking about, like bringing on like more capital or whatever, when you start talking to capital holders or capital dispensers, um, like, one thing they want to know is, like, okay, well, what's your market? Like, what does that market look like? Like, who are you, like, building? What are you building for? Like, what does that ecosystem look like? And I feel like that's been, like, for me, like, a really challenging question to, to answer because I feel like there's, like, sort of, like, like, we're still sort of defining exactly, like, what this interface, like, who's coming to the interface. It's been a lot of Bitcoiners who want to know more about the technicals. It's been devs who want to, like, retool and reskill or, like, you know, a lot of it, like, I think literally is just people who are curious about how it works. Right. And they just like want to understand better. And this is like the easiest, fastest way for them to do that. So they're like on board. I don't know. The number of people I've met that have like taken the class and it's just been like a life changing experience because it's like, you know, like new knowledge that you really understand is like a step change function in your ability to like interact in the ecosystem. So like, Kind of off topic now but like another goal of like the base 58 like the education stuff is like i want to like i want every bitcoiner to be at like a certain base level of understanding of what's happening right and the reason that i want that is because i think we just have better conversations Bitcoin is a protocol. It's like open source, right? It's like, there's this like concept of like, how do we change Bitcoin? Like how do soft forks happen? Again, this was another big conversation that was happening a year and a half, two years ago around the time I was starting like both of these projects. It was like, and it's like, look, like so many of these conversations on Twitter is just like the blind leading the blind. It's like whoever heard what from whoever, like the amount of like the, the people's ability to like, make their own opinions about like their own informed opinions about what is being proposed is like continually getting degraded because the protocol is just like one the protocol gets more complicated Two, the people who really understand it like kind of fall out or like i don't know maybe they got super wealthy and disappeared to like an island in the middle of like, i don't know the south pacific you know i think there's this ongoing thing it's like we want bitcoin as a ecosystem to exist for the next 20 years What kind of vehicles or like interfaces are we going to need? Well, we're going to need a lot more people to really understand what's going on, why the protocol is the way it is, like what kind of like history did we take as a protocol to get here? And like, we need a lot of people in the ecosystem that know that. So when like new people show up, they can explain it. And then when we have like these consensus level, like ecosystem user discussions around like technical proposals... Like, you want the people that are, like, helping make those decisions, like the, I'm going to call them the like hoi poi of Bitcoin, yeah. to, like, know enough that, like, everyone can have, like, meaningful conversations and not just, like, well, my favorite Bitcoin technical influencer said that, like, XYZ is, like, technically superior to, like, your, like, thing.
2: Yeah, um, and I don't know if, you've had a lot of time talk about base 58, so you got your shill in, but I don't, I don't know if NLW wants to ask any more questions, but I would love to start diving in a little bit to that exact thing.
0: Expand it out.
2: Yeah, I want to talk about that exact thing. And I don't know if I introduced you as as Lisa at the beginning, but I might call Nifty Lisa interchangeably. So sorry, team. But that broader question about the public discourse and culture around Bitcoin development specifically, you think there's a problem. I think there's a problem. This Bitcoin Twitter influencer class has a hive mind. Like we know that, you know, like the whole culture side of things. Reject modernity, embrace tradition, block George on Twitter, but when it comes to the tech side of things, it gets like pretty dicey. And the thing I want to point out is that the Hive man was yes to Taproot. No one actually knew what Taproot did. They were yes to Taproot. Taproot happened. The Hive mind berated Jeremy Rubin for Bit One Nineteen CTV to the point where you know that might not be why he quit, but he's taking a sabbatical from Bitcoin Core. But Taproot then enabled Taproot Wizards ordinals, which the hive mind hates. And they they just can't even look at themselves and say, oh man, maybe we should take a step back. So like, base 58 sounds great. You wanna educate people so they can have honest conversations on Twitter. How do you crack this hive mind nut, if that's even possible?
1: Yeah, great question. I like, look man, I like, you know, it goes back into like, like, how do you develop independent thinkers, right? I feel like it's like, okay, if people have a better understanding about what they're like voting for, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get better discourse and like, it won't just be like X, y, Z said yes, or like, I'm afraid of why. Like, I feel like, I feel like politics is just like that. Like, one thing I think about a lot as an educator or just like a communicator, period, is like what the bandwidth, like how much information do I need to tell this other person and how much like time and bandwidth, like how many words can I say? Before they stop listening or they stop like paying attention right but i feel like on twitter like okay so like bitcoin technical stuff tends to be like okay you need to take 24 hours of classes at base 58 and we condense it down and go through it like at a faster pace than anywhere else but that's still like 30 to 40 hours of work right
2: yeah
1: how do you turn that into like tweet level discourse bro i don't know like i feel like this, this is like okay it's like okay I'm doing base 58 stuff. I'm going to get as many people as I can that like are like a good fit for that through the class. And maybe one of them will figure out how to communicate in such a way that like the rest of the hive mind, like it's educated, you know? So like one thing in base 58, I definitely like kind of prioritize is like, I have kind of a good example of this is like, if you are like an educator or doing educated, like things, I am like way more willing to work with you. And like, how do I get you in class? Like, how do you, if you were like, maybe I should just like send out like a a free base 58, something to like all the Bitcoin influencers. Like if you are like a Bitcoin, whatever, just do like this challenge, like base 58, take the technicals challenge or something. I want to make sure I'm pointing them to the class that I think is going to be like the best return on investment for their time. If they actually do take me up on that. But um, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think I have like the like skills or reach in terms of influencers to be able to like, Turn the conversation, but I'm like, okay, but maybe I'll get the right person through base 58 who will like go on to do that. Or maybe it'll be 10 people, you know? So it's like, okay, I gotta like spread this knowledge out and then they can go spread it out a little further. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of a trickle down is such a bad maybe like word, but it's like trickle out sort of.
2: Yeah. I mean, Nifty, Nifty's criminally underfollowed on Twitter, so you guys should go follow her. She only has 12,000 followers, she needs 120,000. I don't have anything to add there, but I kind of agree with you. I just, I kind of want to talk about Bitcoin and Lightning.
1: I want to show, let me just like show, I just to show the two classes. So if you're listening to this and it's not past beginning of September yet, we're doing our first ever Taproot class. Speaking of Taproot, the thing about the Taproot, okay, the thing about Taproot is that you kind of need to understand the basics of the stuff that we do in basics class. So We've got a taproot class. It's going to be two days in Austin. We're doing it at the Atlanta BitLab, which is going to be sick, which is like the local co-working space. The Austin space BitLab. For um, like Atlanta co-working space for Bitcoiners. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're going to be there for two days, right ahead of the Atlanta Bitcoin conference, which is a great devconf So come apply to be in the class, the taproot class. If you're not ready for the Taproot class, you've got four weeks to go take the online base fifty-eight Bitcoin developer basics on Udemy. I'm about to ship the cryptography and digital signatures one. Maybe by end of next week, it's gonna be sick. Yeah, so go check out check out the Udemy stuff and then come to the the Taproot class. It's like on super sale because it's the first one I'm ever doing. So cool. So we talk about Bitcoin and Lightning? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so here would be my uh my patented podcaster transition between those two topics. I'm interested in, maybe as a way to frame rather than just sort of, you know, Bitcoin and Lightning in general, to the extent that part of the answer to the question that you posed, George, is giving people better tools, as Nifty put it, to just have a broader understanding. What are the things going on in Bitcoin or Lightning development right now? Be they... Specific things that people are working on or specific questions that people are debating that are actually relevant for sort of a broad audience to understand, have a stake in, be colloquially familiar with, even if they're not actually pushing code and trying to
1: solve them. That's a great question. I feel like I feel like there's like from a light as a Lightning Dev, there's like a proposed software. So this is like there's like things that layer one that I as a Lightning Dev, spec dev really think we need to get. Happen for very important spec protocol reasons, right? And that is a soft that enables us to do L2. I think that that currently the best contender for that is something called APO or any previous output. I think it's like BIP 118. I think there's like so much discourse going on right now about like what the next soft software should be. Should we have one? And I feel like, okay, one, if everyone really understood what's going on with Lightning and how L2 fixes it, I feel like there would be like not end of conversation, but like Tomorrow, people. I think like the the uh, impetus to like get that software done would like go up like 100x because of such what a huge and enormous like benefit it is to the lightning protocol. Like it lets us do like it reduces the complexity in the protocol like a hundredfold. And from like a I am a investment advisor who wants to get like returns on Bitcoin, so I'm like want to put invest funds in opening lightning channels. It removes an entire class of like funds risk. Right now, there's an enormous class of like fund risk in opening a lightning channel, holding funds in a lightning channel, and like this, what we need a software on Bitcoin to fix it, and if we fix it, we'll like remove an entire like this entire class of risk of losing all your money, basically.
2: So, why is it contentious? This is APL uh, Any prev out right? Why is it so contentious?
1: I think the thing that's contentious about it is that there is another pro- proposal that was made. That basically kind of like okay so it's not it's contentious in the sense of like we have options which options do we pick and why do we pick that option of oh, the other one? so i feel like we ended up in like what we call like in bitcoin or in like tech stuff like almost bike shedding territory of like what like color shed do we want and why is blue better than green and like are the flavors or like you know the like Light reflective properties of blue going to like keep the shed three degrees cooler than green, etc. And then there was this whole thing about like, well, if we're doing APO, should we do something else? Like, should APO be the only one? And so you kind of like, we just ended up, I think, and I think we're still kind of in this like place where there's just this like really large, it's just kind of like, it's, it's like, it wasn't originally a very large design space. It was like, we're going to make this one change and it's going to like, really unlock a lot of nice things for Lightning. I think it ended up, someone realized you could do something called covenants using APO. And then all of a sudden it was like, now we have to talk about covenant design space for like years.
2: Yeah, don't say the covenant word around.
1: Yeah, I was trying to, I don't know if you noticed, but I was like, definitely not mentioning that one.
2: You're an educator. In one sentence, tell me what APO actually is. I'm like kind of there, but I'm not quite sure I know what it is.
1: It's funny because I'm just working, I'm working on this stuff that sort of pre-explains this in my class right now and the digital signatures class so it has to do with digital signatures APO changes what kind of information you're putting your signature on so like when you have a bitcoin transaction usually you sign them like you have to make a signature and then you can like spend the bitcoin whenever you make a signature on a digital document sorry this is longer than a sentence whatever keep going when you put a signature on a digital document, it's like what's in that digital document, like that's what you're committing to, right? And if anything, the document changes, your signature is no longer valid, right? APO takes like the standard contract for like a Bitcoin transaction when you're going to sign it and it removes uh one piece of information, and that removal of that one piece of information makes those signatures like way more powerful in a weird sense,
2: more flexible, more
1: flexible, yeah. So now you take that signature and it's like the number of documents you can attach that signature to and have those documents be valid is just like there's a lot more. You just got a lot more flexibility with it. So let's do cool and interesting like protocol design things because now you've got like a way more flexible signature. But yeah.
2: the discussion becomes what else does it enable that might be bad?
1: Right. Oh my gosh, oh now we've got all this extra flexibility. Like what contortions can we make with this extra flexibility now? do we really want to be able to do the splits on Bitcoin? We couldn't do the splits before. That seems like it could be painful and dangerous and might hurt people. So now let's talk about like, is that even a thing we want to enable? And like, if we're not enabling, if we're going to enable doing splits, like maybe there's a way we can enable splits that also enables cartwheels. And so then we can do splits and cartwheels. Whereas before, like literally all we could do is like, I don't know, like walk down a balance beam so then I don't know, now you it's like now you almost end up with like aesthetic judgments of like what's a prettier cartwheel, how to like if you're gonna do the splits, how long can you hold them for? Like maybe if you hold the splits for too long, Coinbase can like lock all your money up into like a contract that you can never get it out of again. You know, those sorts of things.
2: Lisa, you saying splits a lot and saying lightning a lot makes me wanna talk about lightning because you're I mean you're biased, right? You like lightning the most of everything in Bitcoin, it seems. And so Lightning, splits. What's the fun stuff happening in Lightning? What about splicing? I heard about this a couple of times from Dusty.
1: Oh my God, splicing. I've been saying splicing. So like, splicing in my opinion is like the most exciting feature update to like the Lightning protocol since I started like five years ago.
2: That might be the first thing you've ever said to me ever when I met you. Oh really? Two Miamis ago. Yeah, I think you were talking about splicing with maybe a uh, Christian Decker or something. And the first thing I heard is Actually, this is what it is. The sidebar is, you said something about splicing. You look up, and I had a bunch of hair back then, and you're like, that guy kind of looks like SPF. And I was like, oh no. Anyway, continue. Splicing.
1: <laughs> splicing. Yeah. So, like, it's lightning is like a protocol, also, right? It takes a long time to change things because, like, you have a bunch of devs who, like, fighting about what color they're going to paint the shed, who have to all agree on something. So, it just takes a long time to like, reach consensus among the devs. Anyways. Splicing is a proposal to, or like, I guess at this point, it's like a shift feature, which is very exciting. This is as of like a few weeks ago, really. Um, you can now, you, you can like touch splicing now, which is exciting. really for a long time, it's just an idea. But then, and oh man, I think one of the things that's difficult about splicing, and this is why more people need to take the base 58 lightning class or like in general, is that in order to understand it, you need to understand what lightning is doing. Like, you know, this is why Base fifty eight started. I just want more people I can talk to. I can like tell them what's going on in my life. And let me like, oh, Lisa, that makes sense. Because like, splicing requires you to kind of understand one of the limitations right now of lightning channels. What is that limitation, Lisa? Well, it's that when you open a channel, you decide how much Bitcoin you want to put into the channel. Let's say, I don't know, half a Bitcoin, 550,000, 50 million stats. All right. So George and I open a channel and I put 50 million sats into the channel. And then George and I like send some money back and forth. And then all of a sudden, like George and I have been doing, I don't know, we've been like trading baseball cards or something. So we keep sending each other a lot of stats back and forth. And we like, at some point decide that like the size of that channel just like, isn't like 50 million stats just isn't enough. We have like so much like baseball card trading going between us that like, we really need like a whole Bitcoin in this channel. Right. So how do you like, how do you add capacity to a lightning channel? well right now current protocol new channel you either open a new channel so now you have two channels which then has like a lot of like more complicated overhead kind of and it's more expensive on chain because now you have two transactions you're gonna have to do eventually to close those channels right you had to make two transactions to open them now you're definitely gonna have two to close them at some point point. and then if i need more money later i have to open a third channel So you kind of, like, stack up this, like, debt of, like, having, like, to close channels eventually, like, on-chain debt. Anyways, that's, like, future debt. Like, you're going to have to pay that at some point. Anyways, or you could, like, close the existing channel that you have, which takes a transaction, and then reopen a new channel with the bigger size, right? That takes another two transactions. And you can't send any payments. So George and I can't trade any baseball cards while we're doing this, right? While we're, like, closing the channel and reopening it, like... No trade can happen, no, no exchange, nothing. We can't do any payments through it. So splicing is just like, okay, like that's just a technical limitation of the spec. Change the spec so that like you and your channel partner can renegotiate how much Bitcoin is in that channel. And the cool thing is, like okay, so like George and I have a half a Bitcoin channel. I have a quarter of Bitcoin in the channel. George has a quarter of a Bitcoin in the channel. I want to add more funds into it. George needs to pay the guy he's been buying the baseball cards from. So like in one slice, I can add more funds into this channel so I can pay George more more sats for these amazing baseball cards. And then um, George in the same transaction could pay out his baseball card supplier. And we're able to like do kind of this interactive coin join, pay join, I guess is like the hot term right now for like two people doing a thing in one. You do that all in one transaction. So like it makes the on-chain footprint a lot smaller. It makes the money that you have in a Lightning channel thousand times easier to like use for on-chain payments if you need to so like i think that the best example of who's like rolling this out and why it's so huge is so phoenix wallet is built by a i think they're a french company so i always get their name slightly wrong but um async is like the american As-in-queue? that's what i said yeah asic yeah a i think is like if you're french you can say it i'm not french so i should probably not even
2: as Bastion say it? That's all that matters.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, they have Phoenix Wallet, which I think is legitimately one of the best self-custodial Lightning wallets. They were the first people to roll out splicing in a production capacity because when you have a mobile wallet, you really want your Bitcoin balance in that wallet to be like available for both on and off chain spending. And you want to make it like as cheap as possible for people to be having their money in Lightning, right? And splicing, like, lets you do this so quickly. Like, it just, like, it changes the game. All of a sudden, you can legitimately have what they call, like, a single-balance, real Bitcoin wallet. They can pay on-chain or in Lightning. And the, like, fees to do that or, like, the cost to do that goes, like, way, 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 way down. And splicing is, like, the thing that lets you do that because you can renegotiate what's in the channel with, like, a single transaction, which is cool. So basically, like, I could, like, get George to pay me to my Lightning wallet on-chain. And then that would just, like, seamlessly splice into my channel that I already have. And then as soon as like George has sent me that money, then I can use that to either pay out on chain again using a splice out, or I immediately have it available to pay out over lightning. It's just sick. Like the user experience I think is just like a 10X. Like it goes from being like, wait, where is my Bitcoin? Is it on chain? Is it in a lightning channel? I don't know. How come I can't pay this Lightning invoice? Like what does it mean? I have like this much Bitcoin to like This is your bitcoin balance you can use lightning or you can use like on-chain bitcoin and it's like all seamlessly done because we upgraded we give you like this amazing like i don't know 10x capability boost to your like lightning channels was placing
2: yeah i don't think we actually covered what lightning really does and i don't know how technical this crowd is but the shortest definition for that i use is that that is how we're supposed to do casual payments that happen instantaneously and quick Everything else, you're going to use on-chain, regular Bitcoin transactions. They take longer. Lightning's supposed to be instantaneous and fast. So hopefully that all made sense, what Lisa was saying. But I want to ask something specifically about Lightning. If it's supposed to be used for casual commerce, you know, me going to the coffee shop and buying coffee, Square is a company that loves Bitcoin. You see Square terminals at every coffee shop. Not every coffee shop, but a lot of them. Why can't I use Lightning? on a square terminal? Why is it not just built in right there, nice and easy for me to use? It feels like the most natural place to put it. Are there technical limitations? Is there not a desire for that? Is there just I don't know, is there something else behind the scenes?
1: So I worked at Cash App in twenty eighteen. Okay. My like understanding of the situation is like it's like half a decade old now, I think, but I do have a little bit of insight of what's going on there. And I think a little bit Based on conversations I've had and maybe other people would like maybe people with more information would like have a different answer. But my basic understanding of it, because like the parent company of Square is now Block, and Block arguably employs some of the most talented Bitcoin engineers in the entire ecosystem. They're employing like this like guy who used to work on Core Lightning named Zeman, who's an Anon, who's like brilliant. I think they've got the guy who's implementing Frost, Jesse Posner, is at a Block company. The technical talent at that company around Bitcoin is un, like kind of unmatched. They also have the entire like spiral stack is under that parent company. Like it's just insane. The number of really talented engineers that they have there. My general understanding though, talking to people kind of at other companies, like I haven't talked to anyone at Square in years about it, but just like the general vibe is that there's a cultural, cultural resistance to Bitcoin in Square as an organization. So, like, it's kind of funny because, like, to me, it kind of explains why like, block exists. Like, block exists to, like, sort of route around the cultural resistance at Square. So, like, all these other companies, I think every other, like, organization under the block umbrella is doing Bitcoin-related stuff. And maybe there's some people inside of Square that are working on it. Maybe it's a project that they're hoping to get out after they've finished out building out their LSP at C equals, like maybe they're just building all this infrastructure because at some point in the future TM, they'll like magically unveil it. And so maybe they're like working on it, maybe it's a thing in progress, but like as of a few years ago when I was having conversations with people that were at, and in like the block ecosystem, it seemed like there was a lot of cultural resistance to Bitcoin inside the engineering culture at Square itself, which is interesting, I think
2: I'd agree with that. I would not have guessed that. I have a alternative conspiratorial view on that on why it's not implemented. is that lightning just sometimes does not work. <laughs> and I mean, like lightning, I've only heard devs say this. I've heard the influencer class call lightning like the best thing ever. And I've only heard lightning devs say that it's terrible. So like, obviously, it's somewhere in between. But like, how can we possibly put lightning into terminals when all the only thing the consumer cares about is that I can tap and go? I don't care what happens on the back. I don't really care about using Bitcoin. Is there a world where lightning works more better? And that happens because like lightning sometimes fails, right? Like transactions sometimes fail.
1: And I think, okay, so I think, that the real problem with Lightning failing is sometimes it takes a long time to fail. Um, Like, it's like, oh, is it going to work? Is it going to fail? Like, we've been waiting. So, like, sometimes you do end up with delays. Like, at least with, like, okay, so at least with on-chain payments. On-chain, so, like, best case Lightning happens instantly, you're done, which is always better than the Bitcoin on-chain payments, Right. Worst case on lightning is it doesn't, it gets like stuck and it's pending and you don't know how long it's going to take until it unstuck or fails or succeeds. Right. So you're like in this like Schrodinger's like box or whatever, where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. The other bad thing about that lightning compared to on chain lightning, I think loses in this sense, because with lightning, you have no way of knowing how long it's going to be until you get some resolution to that question. Right. Like you're like, I don't, how long until it's going to fail or succeed? Like how long do I have until it resolves itself? Whereas on chain, we've got all these like pretty great tools with like mempool.space that lets you like kind of just go figure out where you are in the mempool. How much more do you have to pay? Like you can speed up a transaction. You can like cancel payments. Like I think on like the on chain, I think that like, unfortunately, or maybe like this is something lightning can build into is like, you have like much better tools for like, figuring out when your transaction is going to happen or if it's going to fail or like how to like retry whereas on lightning it's like yeah so i think we could improve that i think there's definitely ways to make that happen and get better i think a little bit of it is like education in terms of like even the devs that are building wallets like having some way like helping devs who are building wallets figure out how long a payment has until it has to be canceled and then letting them like so that they know how to build that into like the user the UI, right? Because like every payment that gets made on Lightning has a timeout on it. It's not something that we expose. I really don't even think that many doves who build lightning enabled wallets really know that. Anyway, so I think there's like I definitely think there's things we can do. I'm like better education will solve all the problems. No, I don't know.
0: Um how much do you think these sort of questions of adoption, right, are based on us actually being behind where the lightning adoption curve should be versus feeling like we're behind because we're in it and we're used to things that are, you know, like our experience with technology adoption is, psychologically, even if we mentally understand that it's different, it's TikTok, which took nine months to get to 100 million users, followed by ChatGPT, which took five weeks to get to 100 million users, followed by Threads, which took five days to get to 100 million users. Like these things that are totally different types of technology, but like, that's sort of our perception of adoption. And, you know, we had Binance sort of, you know, in fits and starts, start to kind of wander down the path lumberingly towards Lightning. You know, you now have someone at Coinbase who is publicly available on Twitter to take flack for however they might explore uh, uh, Lightning, which is a huge development. But like, if you zoomed out five or 10 years, do you guys think, and this is maybe a question for both of you, it will feel like we were fundamentally behind versus maybe not being so behind based on sort of the inherent conservatism of Bitcoin and and what it prioritizes and just, you know, the time to actually get lightning right. And I'm not saying that in a leading way to make sure it is. It could be totally possible that we actually are screwing things up and we are a little behind, but I'm always interested to kind of try to zoom out from things that feel too slow in the moment.
1: I have like an anecdote that I think is like, a really good one for this. I started my technical career at Etsy back in like 2012, and the CEO of Etsy at the time is a name by Chad Dickerson. I think that was his name. Hopefully, I don't get that wrong. Um, Chad Dickerson uh, was the CEO of Etsy, and he had this really amazing, I think, story about feeling behind, especially. So his his story was around like internet adoption, like getting on the internet. So in 1996, he was working at the New York Times, and he was one of the devs or like product managers that was on the team that was getting the new york times onto the internet like launching the digital version of the new york times and in 1996 they felt like they were extremely behind they were extremely behind the times like they were like the last ones rolling out a thing and it felt like they were just like they should have been there like 10 years ago or whatever maybe not that long but like you know, it was, like, it had been around for, the internet had been around since, like, I'm gonna say 1991. That's not true. It's been around for a lot longer than that. But, like, you know, like, he was, like, we were, like, five years behind when, like, the network started. Like, what were we doing? And he's telling the story in 2012. And he's, like, looking back, we were so early. Like, we felt behind. We felt like we weren't where we needed to be at the time. But now, like, 15 years later, like, we were at the beginning. still, so. um, so like, I think that like the lightning network is a lot like the original internet, I think. And the reason I say that is like, it requires the same level of network adoption and like builders and like teams at companies to get inspired to like build out the digital version of their website on Bitcoin or, you know, you know, build integration into their websites, like that sort of thing. So like, I don't know, like when people say we're behind the adoption curve, I like, I literally don't know what they're comparing it to because I feel like we are way ahead of the internet. And like, this is, I really do think this is like an internet level challenge. Like you're literally taking people from using like centralized money systems or like, I wouldn't say paper money, but like, you know, like existing banking, which is like a core part of how they, communicate money and asking them to use like a totally different channel and like totally change their behavior. And it's kind of like taking people off of like fax machines, no offense, fax machines and being like, okay, like your money system is kind of like the fax machine, but like we're upgrading everyone over to like, you know, the new version of internet money. And I think like, yeah, I think if you're not thinking about adoption on like the decades scale, if you're thinking that you're going to roll something out and like, Everyone's going to start using it in nine months. I do think you're like, your time, you're just thinking on too short a time scale.
2: It's like a classic Bitcoiner answer. <laughs> I have a much shorter philosophical view on it all is that if we were behind, then we would already be there. Does that make sense? Like, if the technology was available, if everything was in place where we would, where this could be, you know, our future state where everything's beautiful and amazing, we'd already be there. And so, like, we are exactly where we're supposed to be, right? That's the philosophical view on it. But I also, I just believe in human ingenuity and we'll get there, right? So I don't think we're behind, I think we're good. Very philosophical, very, you know, nihilistic, but you know.
1: I actually think like the slowness, like the perceptive slowness means that we're building a stronger network because organic growth is like the slowest kind of growth you can get for decentralized projects, right? Like, it kind of took a long time, I think, for people to find out about it. Actually, I think like a decade is actually really fast considering what kind of project it was. Like, I think that if Lightning was growing faster than it is currently or had taken off a lot faster or even gotten a lot more money and people like into the system earlier, I don't think we would be building as resilient of a network as we're going to end up with because Lightning has to grow by new people adopting it, not by like one big player coming in, right? I don't know.
2: It also might be an unpopular opinion to say this, but everyone has this like very Heightened urgency around oh we need to fix the money we need to fix money now we need to fix money now, but I think if you take a step back, we don't need to fix it right now, right? If that was the truth, then we're going to have to like stock up on bullets and, and food, not you know Bitcoin. While it is an important thing, people are working on you know fixing the money, fix the world. The money's not actually broken in the United States, right? It's not like it is in Lebanon or in Argentina. It's just not that dire right now. And I know that sounds like, oh, I'm not really a true Bitcoiner, but it's not that serious right now. And I I know it sounds bad, but it's really not. Like It's not going to die tomorrow. So we should take our time and do this right.
0: Yeah. I mean, Bitcoin is certainly the most, there are so many dimensions of it that make it completely and fundamentally out of sync and counterfactual to effectively every other technology, starting right from the fact that it's the only Big, significant technology project that doesn't have a founder that got rich off it that we know about. You know, I mean, like right from the very beginning, it's just weird, and so it's kind of hard to. It inherently you run up against the limits of your ability to analogize it to other things. I think. Okay, so for people who are paying attention though, and who are excited about developments happening, and who want it to go, if not faster, at least proceed on the, on the course uh, <laughs> that 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 it should what are things that people should be paying attention to over call it the the rest of 2023? Uh, And, and, you know, people who say, yes, I want to get educated, who want to go learn stuff. What should they be watching? What should they be paying attention
2: to?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like Base58 just launched our first in-person lightning class. I'm hoping to get that to like an online version at some point in the next eight months. So like, I don't know. Okay, so like, if we want lightning to be everywhere, what does that mean? It means that we like get the distribution and like the availability built into existing tools where the people already are right so i think that is like figuring out how to convince square to add it i think it's also like you know you go back to education and it's not just like technical education it's like education at like the consumer level right like people like need to want bitcoin they need to like prefer it as their way to pay they need to like and i think to get there like People need to experience Bitcoin. They need to, like, it's like a weird chicken and egg problem, right? Like, I think in order for people to understand what Bitcoin offers them, they need to experience it, and practice holding it and making it not something outside of their, like, experience. And that takes just, like, a huge amount of, like, personal education and interest and, like, tons of Bitcoiners that I think are already out in the world doing an amazing amount of, like, basically missionary work, Right telling people about Bitcoin, holding like, you know, community groups that like help people figure out how to use wallets and do cold like cold storage and like how to set up lightning wallets. And you know, that's the kind of like grassroots organic like education. It's just like human to human. Like you almost need a personal, like you almost need to know someone who knows what they're doing so that they can help you get onto it and explain the benefits, et cetera. And that just takes so much time, right? Which is why, like, you know, getting more people out there, like, educating people so they can educate others is just, like, so important. And, like, if we don't, it's, like, you got to start today because, like, the benefits of that aren't going to pay off for, like, another, like, years, right? It's, like, the sort of thing, like, you plant seeds and you tell people about it and you help show people. And then eventually people start having experience and then, like, I don't know, maybe they start understanding, like, the benefits of using it versus other systems, et cetera
0: nifty slash lisa for you know we've, we've talked a lot about the programs but in terms of where to actually find them urls twitter handles things like that where should people go if they're on board with this mission
1: yeah find us our so all of our current coursework class schedule like online classes it's all on base 58.school so that's the internet side and then we're also on twitter at base 58 btc and then you can follow me on twitter uh you know help grow to grow nifty to 120k um campaign going on here <laughs> free follow today i don't know um i'm at nifty n-i-f-t-y-n-e-i and if you got questions about bitcoin like yeah if you tweet them at me i'll tweet back no promises that you'll like the answer though
0: <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for uh, for taking some time today and george great to have you here uh hosting alongside
2: a lot of fun enjoyed it all right friends just briefly
0: back to nlw here for a little tiny bit of a wrap up You know, there was a question in there from George about why more people weren't doing this sort of education. And while I didn't want to disrupt the flow of the conversation, it's pretty clear what the answer is to me. And that's that it takes an extremely specific type of person to be willing to use their talents and skills to educate rather than just making money doing the thing. There is an oft repeated phrase in society those who can't do teach. But anyone who's ever had a great teacher, knows how far from the truth that really is. When it comes to developing and building on Bitcoin, it's complex, man. And for as much as we discussed on this show how the economic reality of building on Bitcoin is improving, there are still way better places to make money in other fields. So for me at least, seeing organizations like Base58 and people like Nifty who are willing to take the time to actually build the infrastructure for the next generation of builders... I think is extraordinarily exciting and laudable. So big thanks to Lisa slash Nifty, not only for coming and joining the show, but for all of the work and the benefits to Bitcoin that I am sure will accrue because of it. Another thanks, of course, goes to George Kalutis. George was an absolutely excellent first co-host, and I'm excited not only to have him back, but to have others come step into this role occasionally as well. Penultimate thanks, of course, goes to my sponsor, In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf's Cohort 3 applications might have closed, but you should still go check out this program. Cohort 2 is happening now, and I'm really excited to share some of the incredible companies that are in there with you guys later on when it's the right time. Last thank you, of course, goes to you guys. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of this Bitcoin Builder community. Until next time, let's build.